podcast series Voices as part of the Free Yourself Global Campaign. Uh, we're really fortunate today to be speaking to Liva Altan from uh, Victim Support Europe, he's the Executive Director. Welcome Levin. Good morning. <laughs> Maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about uh, what you do and what Victim Support Europe uh, does um, and we'll get talking today about like the development of policy around uh, violence in the home or domestic violence in the EU and some of those challenges. So maybe you can kick off introducing. Absolutely, no problem. Um, so I'm the executive director here at uh, Victim Support Europe. Um, Victim Support Europe is it's an NGO. It's a charity which has been around now for the last 25 years. And we're the leading European network which um, advocates on behalf of all victims of crime around Europe. So um, we were set up originally to, to help develop rights for victims of crime uh, in the whole of Europe. That, that's the Council of Europe states and covering not just uh, specific groups such as victims of domestic violence or, or um, homicide or, or child abuse, but, but covering the whole range of victims groups. And over those last 25 years, we, we've been trying to ensure that policies at the UN and the Council of Europe, but also in the European Union, uh, reflect the, the, the basic needs of, of all victims and also start reflecting better the specific needs of different groups and of individuals. Um, and that really culminated a few years ago in, in the establishment of an EU directive on victims' rights. So in the last few years, we're really now trying to ensure that these rights are turned into reality and we're working uh, with governments, national governments, we're working with charities at the national level. Um, we're developing policies with respect to all of these rights as well to, to try to ensure that the, the, the laws that have been established um, are, are actually accessible and available to victims. Um, and, and that they're making a real difference. So that's a, a real, that's in a nutshell what we do. I, I can talk much more, of course, about the, the ways we do that as well, if that's helpful. Mm. Well, um, some of the things that you mentioned that you work on with respect to homicide, child abuse, etc., because, you know, as you know, Free Yourself Global is taking this very family focus on violence. And so that for us will incorporate things like child abuse, uh, intimate partner related crimes, including homicide, um, elderly care, abuse, etc. So maybe you can talk about, that's quite a wide spectrum of violence. Uh, so maybe you can talk about some of the challenges like working within the EU and different federal legislations for each country. How do you develop policy that is expansive across the EU with some of those differences? Yeah, I, I mean, developing those laws at the European level, I mean, perhaps I should also say I worked in, in the European Commission beforehand, so, so and I, I helped develop the, the European legislation in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, so from that experience, I mean, the, the, the starting point really is to have a strong evidence base for what are the problems and what are the needs and then start to put together what, what should be your core objectives. So, so in that process, whether you're dealing with uh, domestic violence issues, child abuse issues, or, or something like a burglary or assault, the, the 
you, you can see that there are basic core needs of all victims. So victims need to be treated with uh, dignity and, and respect in their contacts with, with all different kinds of practitioners, whether that's someone in a, in a hospital, whether that's someone within the justice system itself or social welfare services or with charities. So, so they need that to be treated with dignity and respect, and it has a big impact uh, on people when they're not treated in that way. And I, and I think in cases such as sexual violence, uh, rape cases, and also domestic violence cases, that can be particularly problematic. And, and I'm sure uh, you're all well aware of sort of uh, victim blaming cases and the way that the media can also portray victims. Victims also need uh, proper protection measures, pr protection in place to protect them from uh, further victimization from a, a suspect or perpetrator um, or, or, friend, or friends and families of that perpetrator. They also need protection from secondary victimization within the system itself. So, so the system, as in the justice system, can be harmful to victims. If, you, if you've if you report a crime and it's a particularly terrible crime and you have to repeat that testimony uh, 14 times, uh, that's highly damaging for, for a victim. So, so we can establish systems um, and systems have been established where that, that person only needs to speak about their, their experience once or twice. And, and, and child protection systems are a good example of that. There are uh, examples in, in the Nordic countries, for example, where they have um, a, a single center, where a multidisciplinary center, where you you have different practitioners, prosecutors, police, specialist police. You have the uh, support organisations coming together in a single place, so that you can ensure that a, a child victim of abuse. Um, only has to provide that single testimony that it's recorded, video recorded, that that can be used in evidence in court, etc. And so there are ways to ensure that this uh, secondary victimization is, is minimized as much as possible. So victims need protection. Mm -hmm. uh, they need access to justice. Um, and that's clear. And the ability to participate um, in that justice system can be very important. Um, some victims want more participation and less participation, but the opportunities need to be there. Uh, victims need support of, of many different kinds, and that's primarily where Victim Support Europe um, operates. Our members um, uh, provide support services at the national level. And that will be psychosocial services, providing emotional support, um, psychological support. It can be practical support, things like helping victims to fill out compensation forms or make contacts with insurance companies, um, through to perhaps uh, repairing uh, a broken door or, or providing some emergency funding to, to, to cope with um, a, a theft when they're abroad, things like this. Mm -hmm. and, um, and victims also need compensation and restoration as well as part of that. So that, that's uh, a feeling that, that they're being restored back to, the, to something like their original uh, position or that they receive compensation, financial compensation for their losses. So, so that gives you your starting point from a, as a policymaker's, and that can apply in every country in the world, quite frankly. The, 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 you may then have specific needs for, let's say, domestic violence victims and, and the types of approach you have to take there. Um, and the EU directive starts 
reflecting some of those needs. For example, there may be additional protection measures that need, are needed for vulnerable types of victims. Um, and for, for domestic violence victims, there, there, there's the uh, establishment of shelters um, to remove usually women, let's face it, from, from that, that violent environment um, and, and to keep the, ch the, the, the mother and the child, if it is a mother and child, safe. Um, so you start taking those issues into account and then within the development of the European legislation there are of course um, specificities of each country's laws, cultures which also need to be taken into account and the way that Europe does that is, is the, the directives establish the broad objectives but don't uh, go into detail as to how that needs to be achieved. So, or implemented uh, locally within individual European countries. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So then uh, with, with the development of um, different forms of violent crimes, so for instance where we're looking at you know, the emergence of the internet and the development of things like cyberbullying or revenge porn and things like that which can still count as a form of domestic violence, especially when it's involving intimate partners or ex-intimate partners, for instance. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a different take-up rate, do you know what I mean, uh, amongst different countries as to what they consider criminal or not and how they develop new laws to protect people from these kinds of acts of violence. How does the EU, uh, how at an EU level are we dealing with these local or national differences in order to create uh, an EU mandated kind of set of objectives and I mean surely there has to be some governance over implementation even if it's not a directive as such, do you know what I mean? So that uh, there's some uh, acknowledgement amongst the individual groups within the EU and individual countries is some agreement as to what constitutes a criminal act? Well, I, I mean, the, the EU has limited powers to, to uh, determine or to harmonise um, what are crimes. It, it, it does do it and it can do it. And at the moment, there is a directive in negotiation um, on combating terrorism and they're, they're trying to better define the notion of terrorism. It's also been done within other legislation. So, so there is the possibility to harmonize the definition of crimes, but it, it, it's, a, um, it's, it's not used that often, and it's, uh, I, th I think it's the, there has to be a lot of consensus to determine, to, to bring European legislation in place which harmonizes the definition of a crime. Mm. So that in itself, it, it is problematic. I think a good example of that is stalking. Um, and the situation is improving, but for many, many years, very few countries recognized the, the uh, stalking as a crime in itself. So uh, you would, in some countries, be able to uh, only uh, seek police assistance for the individual acts that which themselves may have, may, which th themselves may constitute a crime or may not, uh, and that that was a, that is a fundamental problem and still is a fundamental problem in countries where it's the cumulative acts which constitute the harm often constitute the harm in stalking. So there you have real differences. And, and so the, the European Union does have the power to harmonize these kinds of uh, 
uh, criminal definitions, but it's, it's very difficult to put in place and there needs to be significant political will to do that. So, so that's problematic. But, but for the most part, I think, at least for the broader uh, and, and more serious crimes, there's general consensus about the, the definition of those crimes. So what it really comes down to then is um, having strong evidence and, and sharing of knowledge about what practices work best. Um, you know, what is the best way of informing victims about their rights? Um, and and that that's involves networking, it involves projects which um, uh, can, can publish uh, documents, produce websites. Um, we, we as Victim Support Europe, we, we go out to uh, different countries and to governments and, and, and try to share that information and knowledge as well and try to, to gather that information and knowledge and, and identify good or best practices as well. Um, but it, it's, it's a slow process um, and it works best where you have governments which them, which themselves are interested and determined to to make a real change and are open to looking at other systems not just in Europe but across the world mm. because it's uh, it's interesting like when we're looking at uh, domestic violence from a global level there seems to be many different cultural expressions of violence depending on the societal challenges that individual you know nations are facing uh, but there also seems to be some similarities in terms of you know the con the the, the ro role of power struggles and power conflict within relationships is uh, I guess um, predictive of, of violence for instance or you know there are some correlations between drug and alcohol abuse for instance and there are definitely correlations between the experience that uh, adults have had as children and how what level of exposure to violence they've had and then the likelihood of uh, potential violence for them older whether they continue to be victims in different relationships or then become themselves abusers so it's interesting um, I think some of the recent statistics are uh, one in four women in the US experience uh, domestic violence or intimate partner related violence in their lifetime but I think the statistic is also one in seven for men experiencing um, you know physical violence or abuse by an intimate partner um, and there was a case recently in Australia where you know a man has come forward and shared about his experience of being king hit by his ex-girlfriend and his kind of head is split open so it definitely does happen but in different countries there are different um, agendas and there's a very strong um, women's right, rights uh, lens applied to this issue which there needs to be because the majority of cases are women and children um, but then in some countries there is also the acknowledgement of uh, abuse towards men in relationships um, and in other countries very little acknowledgement and very little support for men so uh, it's interesting, H how do we, from a global perspective, like, are there any discussions at your level about how we can possibly uh, standardise some of the solutions or find best practices amongst different countries so that, you know, one country might be very well developed and advanced in providing victim support and it's quite um, extensive in terms of how it 
views the situation in, in, in terms of the complications and the different support mechanisms that are set up. And then there's some countries that are a little bit primitive and they haven't really developed uh, extensive yeah, policy I, around it. How do we resolve this issue, do you think? Well, I, I mean, on the first point, of there, 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 it's, it's been well recognised that, that, that there are, with respect to domestic violence, you can see that there are some core drivers and, and power issues, and, and this is why it is a, it's, it's a gender equality issue as much as it is anything else. Um, so, that, so that's been well recognised for some time, and the uh, solutions which are being developed in terms of uh, prevention, um, in terms of resolution as well, uh, are, be, are being applied in many different countries. Uh, so so that, that's all well recognized. In terms of a standardized approach, uh, I mean, we certainly take a different approach, which is uh, that there may be certain principles and certain approaches which um, which work or make sense, but you need to look at each country uh, individually. And I think it, it, it's a mistake to go to a country and say, this works in our country, and therefore you should do it here. Um, and, and this, this uh, colonial approach to, to advising other countries about how to develop their own uh, victims and justice systems, it, it doesn't, doesn't work. You need to take the... the you, you need to understand the different ways in which different countries approach it. You need to evaluate the, the way that those approaches are successful. And then you need to speak to, to, to national organizations and to, to, to governments and, and provide them the information on those different approaches and help them to work out which is going to be the best solution for them. And if I take a, a, an example of, of victim support organizations, acro across, the, across Europe we see roughly five different models of the way that victim support is delivered, and that can range from uh, a very large NGO, which is, which is fully government-sponsored, um, uh, uh, paid for, uh, such as in the Netherlands, and they have a very large budget. They're huge and national. Um, compared to something like uh, a network of organizations, such as in, in France, through to a wholly independent NGO, through to a state-run uh, organization. And there will be different historical reasons why um, those different organizations exist in the way they do. If, we, if uh, Weissering, which exists in Germany, is a huge organization which is purely self-funding. They don't accept government funding. It would be extremely difficult to... to uh, take that approach in any other country. They've developed over the last 40 years. So it, it's pointless to say it's, it's great that they are completely independent because it means that they can lobby strongly and say that that is the solution for every country, when in another country they have an extremely weak civil society and, and, and the government which has little trust for their civil society. You won't achieve change. The same kind so of outcomes, yeah. So you need, you need to, to go to a country open to understanding their legal systems, their legal cultures, and then help them to understand how to apply ba the basic principles, such as ensuring that there is flexibility within your system to meet the individual needs of a victim. It, it's no good having uh, a support organization open from nine till five and closed at lunchtime because most victims won't be, many victims won't be able to 
access those services at that time mm-hmm. or, or you need to be able to, it's no good simply saying we will only deliver a single restricted service or we will only provide counseling for three sessions uh, when one one victim needs one session and another victim needs two years of, of support there needs to be that flexibility that's the basic principle how that's applied in your country and whether you deliver that through state services or NGOs is different so that's that's the fundamental approach that it's it's not that you're seeking absolute standardization it's, it's that you're understanding what are the needs of these groups of victims what systems work well and then how can you apply those systems uh, in your country and and that that would be the same for something like domestic violence what are the risks of being a victim of domestic violence what what are the kinds of actions that can be taken uh, to to protect a victim what works well and now how can we apply that in in the particular country that we're dealing in so essentially we're talking about improving or increasing knowledge sharing and resource sharing uh, in terms of exploring uh, what may or may not work in, in different cultures um, as you know a possible way forward rather than taking, as you mentioned, the colonial view of, well, this works in our region, so therefore it must work in all other regions. Is that your point? Exactly. You know, you, you, you could you could work in one country very, very closely with the police because the police are responsible for investigation and for making decisions around a protection measure. Maybe you have a lady who, who, who needs a restraining order against her husband. Uh, now, if you go there, go to a country assuming that it's like your country and it's the police in charge, you will you may get nowhere because actually in another country the prosecutor is the one that is responsible and actually controls an investigation so then you need to be working with the prosecution in order to 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 achieve changes and to ensure that it is the prosecutor who has the legal powers and who is uh, trained to work with um, these particular victims as the priority, which doesn't mean that you ignore all the others, but you need to know how that system functions. So it doesn't mean that, that you, you don't have the same solution, which is uh, you need to have a restraining order available uh, as quickly as possible. You need to maybe get the, uh, the suspect out of the home as quickly as possible. And that's your basic principle. Who does that and how you achieve it may be different in different countries. And, and that's the understanding between your basic needs and principles versus the environment you're operating in. Okay, uh, and the other thing is evidence-based, to be honest. Uh, the victim's world um, just does not have the statistics you see in other fields. If, if you, we know how many people have traveled across Europe, we know how many um, rooms have been booked in any one particular night, but we simply don't have data on the way that victims are treated, the the number of victims that exist, and and that really hampers evidence-based policy making, and and that's fundamental to to achieving effective progress in this field. And how do we increase that? Are there solutions, are there discussions about how we can improve yeah, data collection of of that kind across Europe. Well, within the justice system, it's getting politicians and um, practitioners to have the the interest and the will to start gathering that data. Uh, and there's very little interest in doing that. And and it can be expensive, uh, some of it, but it doesn't have to be. So 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 gathering this primary data within the justice systems re- requires a, a shift in in 
cultures about the necessity for having the data and collecting it um, and understanding why it's, it's of value not just for victims themselves but for an effective justice system, one which is um, works better and which works more efficiently. Um, but then there's also uh, the opportunity to fund projects so, so that there isn't really significant uh, money focused on gathering data within the victims field and there may be for specific groups of victims um, you know victims of domestic violence human trafficking um, do have a greater pol political focus um, but even there there isn't such significant funding for projects which would gather this primary data projects to interview victims to understand the experiences that they go through so so there just isn't the focus on these data issues that there is in other areas that, that you may have for, I don't know, the environment or for transport where uh, there, there is a much higher obligation on the collection of data. So, so there, there, there's an education requirement there. We need to educate uh, policymakers and practitioners about the value of gathering this data for victims and for their own policies as well. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lev. Uh, it's been really fantastic. Um, no I know that uh, VSC, uh, Victim Support Europe, VSE, has a website, right, um, which people can go to where they can um, gather information or learn about uh, the issues in their relevant countries in the EU. Um, That's right, and it links that, to national organisations as well. So. Great. So maybe you can just tell our audience what the web address is for that site. That's uh, www.victimsupporteurope.eu, I, I think, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I it's a ridiculous if, question to ask an executive director. I think if you Google search uh, Victim Support Europe, it'll be there. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And, uh, and also, you know, we hope that uh, Free Yourself Global can actually contribute at, in some way um, to this data collection. And I know that you, you're aware that we're collecting stories like first-hand accounts of experiences of people all over the world, whether they're recovering abusers or whether they're um, survivors of violence and hoping to hear their stories and get some of this primary research done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hearing the voices of victims is, is fundamental to to this this uh, to this work, to this campaign, uh, and and a single story can sometimes uh, have more impact than a thousand statistics. So it's an essential element of, of achieving that change. Absolutely. And so for our audience, if you do want to get on board and support this project, you can share your story with us. Um, our website is www.freeyourselfglobal.com and we have a media uploader there where you can share your story, whether it's audio or video or write it. Um, but we're definitely interested in hearing your voice around this issue. And so thank you so much, uh, Levant, for all the incredible work that you're doing at a policy level over you know, such a complex, um, wide-reaching issue. Thank you for the interview. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks.